Blog Talk Radio. And good morning. This is Brother Brandon Teague, and you're you're joining the broadcast of Old Path Broadcast Faith Baptist Church, located here south of Deport, Texas, in Northeast Texas. And we're thankful that you joined us, and and we we uh, we ask that you come prayerfully seeking God, because we certainly want to reveal His will and His word to you. And we pray and, and trust that God will touch you in whatever manner you need to be touched and deal with you according to your own your own relationship or lack of relationship with Him. God wants you to be saved if you're not this morning. If you're if you're saved, <coughs> I can tell you that God wants you closer. Uh, pray for me. I'm dealing with allergies. Following up.
Jesus' name. 
again, I apologize for this call by Alex. You know, I hope it won't be a distraction any more than it has to be. But uh, starting off, I just want to I want to look at these two verses. Just for a minute. Jesus said he was speaking about this. He said, you know, they they won't believe. They won't believe. Now, he didn't mean every single one of them wouldn't believe, but he means the majority of them would not believe. We'll see that. But he said, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believe. All right? Now, we know two of them got off the bat. If you think for a second, one came to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Remember his name? It was Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 16. One of the most famous verses I get to the most famous verse in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him did not perish, but have everlasting life. He came to Jesus at midnight, wanting to know about eternal life. And Jesus said, Except he born again. He said, How can a man enter a human second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, Tell him, This is not, I'm not talking about a water birth. I'm not talking about being born of your mother. I'm talking about being born again. And then there was a second one. We see when Jesus was crucified, who came with Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, who came, he and Nicodemus came, and they asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. They took his body down and they wrapped him in spices and put him in put him in that grave. <laughs> yeah. There were some. We don't know how many of them the chief priests and rulers in that But we know there were some. But I want to start off this morning. I want us to look here. In verse forty two, the Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees. <coughs> they did not protect him. Lest they should be put out of Saturday. Because of the Pharisees. Now what did the Pharisees do? We heard about the Pharisees. We read about the Pharisees. From time to time we would regret the Pharisees and the things that they did. Try to stop Jesus. Try to attack Jesus. But let's look at some things. Let's remind ourselves of who these people are who have stopped the clarifier, who have stopped the chief priests and the rulers who've gotten saved from, from living out their faith. Because that's exactly what has happened. These men, Nicodemus, who got saved, I mean, we're in John chapter 12. You remember, that was in John, back in John chapter 40, where Nicodemus got saved. Some time has passed. But yet, all this time, Nicodemus has been a secret disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not publicly confessed that he's a believer on Christ. He's not lived out his faith. He's lived in secret and continued to put up a charade of being the same old guy he's always been because if they saw there'd been a change in him, there'd been questions. If there'd been questions, there'd been an inquiry. If there'd been an inquiry, there'd been a finding out. If there'd been a finding out, there'd been consequences. So Nicodemus has kept up a good front. Joseph of Arimathea has kept up a good front. But it's not what God would have. So what do these Pharisees do to put these men in that position? Well, 
they just they, they throw aside God's commandments. They, I mean, they, they just they just pushed aside the commandments of God and made men's traditions into commandments and doctrines. That happens a lot. I mean, listen, you 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 they can break fellowship over men's traditions all the time. I remember being being in a being down at a camp meeting and talking to one of the preachers down there and him telling me how he went up to he met a preacher up in the mountain somewhere and that guy wouldn't even let him he would he'd go in and preach for him and then when he
He compared them to a, to a grave sepulcher, which is one of those you see out in the cemetery. You know it's a rich family because they got one above the ground. It's pretty and made out of marble and got a big fancy name on it. And, and they buried it. They put in a little rack shoved in there and locked inside this big box. And it looks pretty. It looks like a little building in that little cemetery where I work over, over in Victoria, Texas. Uh, one of the vice presidents down through history, and I can't remember his, his, his name was Latham Garner, and he's from Detroit, And uh, out in that cemetery, there's a big sepulcher. It looks odd amongst everything else in Detroit, Texas, but right there in the middle, there's a sepulcher built by President Garner. And I didn't got the name on it, everybody, it looked real nice. But I can promise you, if you unlock this thing and pull it out, you wouldn't think it's very nice anymore when you saw his rotting carcass in there. And that's what Jesus said they were like. Now, look real nice on the outside, but inside you're rotten to the core. Okay? We need to remember who these men are. All right? Number three on this, they love, they, the Bible says they love the high seat, the highest seat, which was the most important thing. <coughs> and they love public gatherings where people could brag on and say, oh, how are you today? You're, you're excellent. They love for people to make a fuss over them, to, to notice them. I read somewhere it said they, they even they even uh, added to the, to the borders of their garments to make their garments wider and thicker so that they there's more of a fuss of them coming through the marketplace so that people would have to notice them. They want attention from men. You hear me? They are more concerned about how men view them. They're more concerned about uh, men praising them. They're more concerned about men admiring them and the way that men look at them than they are how God sees them. Okay? Mark chapter 12. Let's look over there. Mark chapter 12, 38 through 40. Mark 12, 38 through 40. The Bible says that he said unto them in, in his doctrine, this is Jesus speaking, beware the scribes which love to go to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. These people were they, they just attention hogs. That's what they were. They they were they were the, the big shots, the big wheels. I mean, they were the people that that anybody who didn't follow God, they probably looked up to them. Oh, that's who I want to be like when I grew up. Because those guys have got it made. They didn't realize. So many people didn't realize these men were as lost as lost could be. Fourth thing I said, they make people fall. Jesus said someplace, and I'm paraphrasing, they said you're like an open sepulcher that men don't see if they fall into it. They, they, don't, they think, oh, you're holy, you're righteous, you're a good guy, you're a Pharisee, you're, you're one of the religious leaders. And, and they follow them and fall right into the same grave. <clears throat> Notice this, too. They didn't want people healed on Sabbath. They threw a fit whenever Jesus healed somebody on Sabbath. They were so concerned about tippy fat phrase that they missed. They, they were so concerned about the letter of the law that they missed the spirit of the law. 
and uh, then when he began to proclaim that he uh, and show people that they began to notice this man had been, had been healed, there were consequences. John chapter nine, and we'll begin there, verse thirteen. The Bible says they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon my eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that had opened thine eyes? That he had opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they had called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son? Who do you say was born blind? Was this your son? Was he born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, No, it's close. And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But notice, by what means? But by what means he, he now seeth, we know not. For who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Now listen, this is what comes down to. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already. Now listen, that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Okay? And so what, what's the big deal about being put out of the synagogue? Well, let me just explain that to you just a hair what that means. There was a process that they went through when they were putting someone out in the synagogue or excommunicating them or however you want to work. The first step, and I can't tell you this, the Hebrew words, and I don't try to pronounce Hebrew words before that. Let's just call it the first step. There was they, they put this penalty upon someone who was who, who had offended them in this way. They, it was called separation from civil society. What they would do, they were to keep a distance of four cubits from everybody. That's seven feet. They weren't to come within seven feet of anybody. They were shillings. Okay. And, and that happened for 30 days. For 30 days, people were to keep a distance of seven feet, ignore them, not speak to them, shun them for 30 days. And so they understood how wrong they were and that they were to repent. But guess what? If they didn't repent, they went to the second phase. 30 more days. So 60 days of you know, nobody speaking to them, nobody coming within seven feet of them. They couldn't buy, they couldn't sell, they couldn't do anything. They were If they hadn't repented after 60 days, there was another 30 days. So 90 days that they could that they would be 
completely shunned by everybody. And if no repentance, they didn't give it up then at that point, they was considered anathema, which means they were cut off from the congregation of Israel. They were outcast forever. They lost everything. They could never go back into the temple. They were shunned by their family. They were shunned by the community. They were shunned by their nation. Today, and I've said this before, I've said this last Sunday, as a matter of fact, there was a brother I met during we had a, we had a uh, we had a conference at our church back in 2007. It was titled "Such Time as This Conference," and there was a brother who came to that. He came from California. He was a uh, he was a pastor, Baptist preacher who had been a Jewish rabbi, and he found Jesus Christ for himself. And he, he picked up the New Testament out of curiosity and began to read, it. and he found Christ. Christ found him. And he got saved. And from that moment, his entire family completely, totally, absolutely told him, we're dead to us, we're done with you, we don't want to That is what the same thing still happens today when somebody comes out from that. All right. So, guess what this brought? This brought fear upon somebody who was to follow Christ. Somebody who got saved among the Jews. They were in fear of of losing everything that they ever had. Now, hold on a minute. Nobody said Christian life was going to be a revolution. Nobody said it was going to be easy to follow Jesus. I want to tell you right now, the devil wants us to be discouraged about our walk with Christ. The devil wants us, listen, the devil wants us to fear the voice of man. He wants, they, the devil wants us to fear the opinion of man. He wants us to fear the influence of man. He wants us to be beat down to the point where we care about what everybody thinks around us. We live in a society today where it's impressed upon people that if you're not if you're not wearing what everybody else is wearing, then you don't fit. If you don't if you don't like what everybody else likes, then you don't fit. If you if you uh, if you go along with the wrong politician, then you don't fit. I mean, listen, that we, people are shunned so easy in this society today for little or nothing. And to be a Christian today in society is not an easy thing. But you know what? Jesus told us that ahead of time. He said, In this world, you shall, you shall have tribulation. He promised us that. He said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He said that. And he also said, Be of good cheer. I will come to the world. And he will get out of here. And here's the message. I want to give you. I want to give you four thoughts today. Okay. We've seen what the Pharisees did to these men who who had believed on Christ. I mean, their influence kept them quiet. They made them absolutely rendered them completely ineffective. Completely ineffective. Some of them from for years until Jesus died on the cross. And it was only after that that some of them came out and publicly. Said, yes, I'm here. But I want to give you four thoughts and then we'll be done. Number one, look here. Do not let men cause you to stray. Do not let men cause you to stray. I want you to look at Psalms 119. You can turn over it quickly enough. It's okay. You take that time. Psalm 119, verse 67. Do not let men 
because you pray. David said in verse 67 of Psalm 119, he said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. He said, What do you think he's talking about? I think he's talking about his silver vaccine. I think he was talking about truth. He's talking about uh, the death of Uriah. I believe that's what he's talking about. And he's talking about all the consequences that happen as a result of that. The death of one of the death of Absalom, the, the label. I mean, on and on and on. All the all of all of the pain and suffering that came to his children as a result of his sin. He said, and, and, and consequently himself. He said, before I was afflicted, I wasn't in this shape before. So I went astray. So don't let me cause you to destroy. Number one, it's so, so, so important that we talk to God. It's so important that we, that we uh, confess our sins to God daily and ask for forgiveness and cleansing and ask for the Spirit of God to work in our life. Ask for God to reveal his word to us. Ask God to give us wisdom that's not our own, uh, wisdom that we couldn't gain in a book. Ask, ask God to, oh, well, we gave him find it in his word, but you can't find it in an earthly book. You need wisdom to make the right choices. Ask God for those things in your prayer life. We ought to pray every day for God to guide every step we take so that we don't wind up on the wrong road of life. Don't stray. Listen, we're, we're without help without God. We need God every moment. I mean, listen, I think about soldiers on the battlefield. You know, when their platoon's out there in a certain area, there's somebody got a radio. There's a man with a radio, and he's talking to those to those who are camped back at headquarters, wherever headquarters may be. And if it gets too bad, he's got to get in there and call in an airstrike. Or, or they're in trouble. I mean, listen. That communication is key. The firepower is only going to come when he gets on that radio and says, we need you to come in here and give us cover. It's a very similar with us and God. That prayer, listen, the enemy is against us, the devil. The Bible says, be sober and vigilant for your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, thinking we can make a vow. The only, the only thing we can do is talk to heaven. We're to call home and say, Lord, help me. Come and come with firepower and devour this enemy before he devours me. Don't neglect your prayer life. It's so, so important. And David called on the Lord in his troubles. David pleaded with God. That's what the book of Psalms mostly is about. Is God crying out? Uh, David cried out for help. Don't stray. Don't let men cause you to stray from God. Don't neglect your prayer life. Secondly, don't yield to worldly influence. This world, this world is in the fourth. This world is in one of the one of the worst places it's ever been. What used to be considered unmentionable is now mainstream. I mean, we live in a day and time where where there's so much influence, so much ungodly influence everywhere. Listen, just because other people. Just because people who you admire want you to do wrong, don't do wrong to please them because I'm going to tell you, they're not going to stand before God someday beside you and say, oh, it's my fault. Listen to me. Don't let them guide you down the road into trouble because, listen, they're not going to 
that when you have to stand before God and ask it for it. Please, whatever you do, don't yield when worldly influence tries to get you to walk away from God because they will. They will. I've had so many times along the last way where somebody who I admired tried to lead me away from God. They didn't do it on purpose. They didn't say, hey, Brandon, let's, let's, let's go away from God. He wasn't like that at all. He was, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. Let's go have some fun. Let's go party. Let's go do something. Let's go do something you ain't done before. Listen, and curiosity got the best of me too many times. And it's only by God's grace that I'm standing here today preaching the Word of God because I had so many avenues, so many opportunities to just keep going the wrong direction. I prayed and prayed and prayed, but God has had mercy on me. Don't yield to the world when it calls. Listen, that's what the Pharisees wanted. They wanted to control people by saying, no, you know, listen, we're the ones who make the rules, and we're the ones who decide how it is. And yet they were as lost as they could be. So don't stray. The third thing I want to say about this guard your time with God. My time with God is when I get when I leave and go to work, I stop and get my breakfast and I sit in my truck and I and I, I turn everything off and I get quiet and I read my Bible and I let God speak to me and I pray and I pray for my loved ones, I pray for my Friends, I pray for my enemies. I pray for the people I work with. I pray for God's wisdom. Listen, it's important to me. That time is important to me. And oftentimes, oftentimes, uh, somebody will try to text me during that time. They'll, they'll want to talk. And, and I don't have time to talk. I'm with God. It's way more important to me to talk to God than it is to anybody else at that time because that's my time with Him. You know what? He's my sovereign. He's my king. He's my master and my lord. And nobody comes before him. Nobody. Guard your time with him. It ought to be precious to you. If you don't have a precious time with God, do you have a precious God at all? Because he's your God. Like capital G. And he, he holds your life in his hands. He holds your heart in his hands. And when he pulls it, it's over. Don't disrespect your creator. Guard your time with him. He's your father, if you say. He wants you to come and spend time with him. He wants to mature you and grow you. And I'm not talking to kids. I'm talking to all of us. We all need to mature. We all need to continue to grow. We don't ever stop growing. We don't ever stop maturing. We leave this earth, we're, like, we're a fraction of what we leave. Don't let other people call Jesus right from God. Number two, don't let men call Jesus false. I'm talking about Christ. Proverbs 6 16. We're almost there. We Proverbs chapter 16. In verse 18, the Bible says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. What's God saying? If you're full of pride and a cocky attitude, be sure you're on your way to be a knock cloud on your face. Be sure that you're ready to be humiliated. Because God, cocky attitude. 
Don't let men call you a fool. Seek to be humble. That ought to be our goal. Not not to be cocky, to be to to to, to show somebody up, to to, uh, to try to act better than somebody else. It's just the opposite. What God would have us to be is just the opposite of being big shot. God wants us to, to be humble. You know what he wants you to do? God wants you to get over yourself. God wants you to get over your sense of I'm important. I'm more important than everybody. You're not important. Listen, you're a vessel. You're a vessel in anybody's kitchen cabinet. There's all kinds of vessels in there. Okay? I bet they don't sit in there talking about I'm the best stuff in the cabinet. Oh, I'm, no, I'm the best. Maybe the idea that we're something else. Truth of it is, we're really not. All we're here for is to give God glory. And if we're doing anything less than that, we're wasting time. Seek to be humble. I'm going to kick your legs right out from under you while you flat on your back where you're looking straight up and you've got to pay attention to it. You say, how do you know that? I tell you, I've been standing to the board and once. Don't let me in cause you stress. Understand that Jesus was humble in every way of that. Jesus would never, ever, ever cry. I said, well, what about when he came in the temple and started overturning the tables and got the chains out and set the birds free and free all that? He's standing up for his father's house. He's standing up for, for what was right and what was holy. It wasn't going to be a prideful at all. Does he have a right to be prideful? Absolutely. He's the creator of all things. Absolutely. But what he knows was obedient and humble to his father's will. He pleased the father to everything that he did. He didn't, he didn't say, I'm going to do what I want to do. This is my world. I created it. I can do whatever I want to do. No. Jesus himself humbled himself. He was a world leader like the week Don't let me in cause you to share Put God in first place where he belongs in everything. Before you make a choice, before you make a decision, is God in first place by making a choice? Is God still in first place by making a decision? Am I having to set God on the shelf to go do what I'm going to do? Can I take God? If no, then no, no. Don't ever set God aside so you can go have your fun. Don't strut. Don't let men cause you to strut. Number three, don't let men cause you to strut. Don't let men cause you to strut. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. The Bible says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil. Don't let, him, don't let man cause you to strut from God. Don't let man cause you to strut around. Don't let man make you strut. Don't you, what are you saying? I'm saying don't you bow down to man. Listen to me. I am a born again child of the living God, and I serve him. Amen? I'll, and listen to me. I'll obey the policeman as long as the policeman honors God. 
when the policeman acts evil, that's when me and the policeman have got a problem. I'll obey the judge as long as the judge honors God and the law. But as long as when the judge changes his mind, he's not going to serve God and he's not going to honor God's laws. Listen, that's when me and the judge got a problem. Listen, I'm going to follow the president as long as the president follows God. But when he changes course with me, that ain't going to change me. I'm not going to stoop for nobody. The morals of this world are in the gutter. You understand that? Like I said before, what used to be unspeakable is now mainstream, and it's going to get worse. I remember being a kid and people talking about, you know, this is being a slippery slope. That's a slippery slope. We better be careful. That's a slippery slope. This is what I was thinking back when, when people were considered, uh, what they call them, uh, a confirmed factor. What were they really? They were sodomites is what they were, but they were in secret. They didn't do it out in public. Well, she's just, she's just the law. She's just the law. No, what it was, they were called sodomites. But nowadays, listen, we, we say, well, if they ever get that open, that's a slippery slope. Well, guess what? It grieves and everybody's just sliding away. And we're heading downhill. And now pedophilia, bestiality, you name it, it's going to all be, a, it's all going to be legal. It's all going to be a smile to fall. We're living in a world where the leaders of this world are a bunch of vampire pedophiles. And I'm telling you right now, it's a evil world. It can cause me and you to change one fact. God has to change. He told us it was going to. Listen, evil men and seducers shall wax worse. Worse. That's what the Bible says. It means it's going to get worse than you can ever imagine before the end comes. But just because we are getting there, we should ever You say, but the further it goes, the harder it's going to get to stand and be Christian. Yes, it is going to be harder. Guess what? We have got God by our side. And if me plus God equals me. Don't let man cause you to stoop. Just because the rest of the world is going to hell, just because the rest of the world is loving sin with everything in them, does not have People have relaxed standards everywhere to keep from offending modern Pharisees. I mean, listen, we're seeing it. We're seeing it in Baptist churches around this country. They don't preach against sin anymore. Matter of fact, a lot of them, I mean, I'm sorry, all of them, I'm saying there's a lot of them that have just absolutely turned away from preaching on sin, and now all they do is preach encouraging messages every Sunday. You got people like Beth Moore within the Southern Baptist Convention who are, who are attacking men, saying that they won't let women preach, and they're just, they're just uh, basically cramping these women's style. <coughs> Shouldn't cause us to sue. Shouldn't cause us to dip our sails. Shouldn't cause us to change course. God is in charge. God is leading. God is the one who's showing us the pathway. It's not this woman's opinion or that man's opinion. It's God's word. And who cares what some other somebody somewhere else thinks about 
like you're standing for God. Who cares if you're standing for God? Makes dirt. You need no stand. Look bad. That's their problem. Listen, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. That God uses somebody who's standing for him to rub them the wrong way and show them they turn and get one of the right way. Amen. I don't think I don't think when 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 uh, when, when Daniel I don't think when Daniel said, you know what, I'm gonna keep praying. You know, if I run some people run away, I don't want I don't want to run away. No, he on his limit and he and he prayed. That's what he done. He didn't he didn't check with anybody to make sure it was okay. He just said, you know what? The commandment said I gotta pray to the king, but I didn't pray to the king, I'm praying to God. I don't care if the king likes it or not. I don't care who likes it. They said they're going to kill me. I don't care. I'm going to pray to God because that's who that's I serve. We can't go along with this world denying our Savior in the process. We just absolutely cannot. What does God say? He says, come out from among them and be you separate. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will see you and be a father. God wants to love us and have a loving parent-child relationship with us and guide us and help us and mature us and grow us. God wants to do all those things. But if we follow this world, we can't follow God. I mean, listen, the Bible tells us that plainly. If any man loves the world, what's the thing? The love of the Father is not him. He doesn't love the world. He doesn't love the Father. If you love the world, you don't love the Father. You can't have both ways. You can't walk on both sides of the fence. It's okay. Don't let men cause you to struggle. Don't stop walking with God. Don't let men cause you to struggle. Don't walk with pride in your Get humble before God. Don't let men cause you to spook. Don't let them push you into their world. Don't let them keep you from God, acting like them, so that you don't embarrass yourself or feel uncomfortable. This is God called us to be uncomfortable. The Bible says we are peculiar people. That means odd. Peculiar means weird. Outcast. That's what it means. Thank God I'm weird. I'm glad to be weird. I love being weird. Amen. Hallelujah. I am a weirdo for Jesus. I love it. You know what? I'm going to do that in heaven with a bunch of other weirdos too. Amen. And this world's going to be frying in hell. With its popularity, burning and screaming out, crying out for help, and there'll be none of it. Meanwhile, all of us all outcast weirdos will be around the throne, praising God with everything else. Can I tell you something? Don't let, don't let that cause you to stop. There is no problem if you're going to face in life. There is no trial that you're going to go through in life. There's no burden that you're going to carry in life. And no circumstances you're going to face in life. It's too much for God Almighty to kill you right now and help you through. Nothing that you're going to face. <coughs> there been too many down through history who's proven that out. All the way down to those who were tied up to a stake with piles of wood around them, gunpowder rubbed in their hair, and set on fire who gave God glory the flames lit their body and said, It's tolerable. God, praise God Almighty. God was with them in the flames. Listen to me. Those who stood to 
turn one back on again. It never turns back on me. God will never ever allow you to be tested above that you're able. That's what the Bible says. Be a Daniel for God. Be a Daniel. This world needs some Daniel. We'll say, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to be a I'm going to live like a Christian. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to show people what a Christian looks like. Not to, not to make it brag on me and praise me. But I'm to say, you know what? If, if, if they're not ashamed to walk with God, if they're not ashamed to name the name of Christ, if they're not ashamed when other people know who they serve, then you know what? Why should I be ashamed? That's how it starts. You can't change those that are full of pride and you go and say, I don't care and I don't know God. You can't change them. What you do is you know the ones that nobody loves and nobody cares about. And you tell them there's somebody that loves them and cares about them. And enough of them come along, those who think they know it all will have to back that and back away. How do you turn enemies into friends? One conversion at a time. Seek their salvation. Pray for them. Don't let them change you into something that God can tell. Be a Daniel for God. Be a Moses for God. You'll stand up to Pharaoh. Be a Moses who'll stand up for God's people. Be a Joshua who will call call people. You do what you want to do, but I'm going to serve God. You serve whoever you want to serve. But as for me and my house, we don't serve the Lord. Stand for God. Don't let the Pharisees keep in the dark. Don't let the Pharisees mess with the quiet. Don't let the Pharisees rob you of your relationship with Jesus. Just think how miserable Nicodemus must have been for this year. Quietly going about his business, pretending to be something that he wasn't. All for fear of losing his reputation, his position, his authority, and his influence and his money. He thought those things were more important at that time than having Jesus the center point of his life. But it was when he was gone that Jesus, he realized, I need him. And I want to give him glory. He found me there. Don't let man keep from being what God has designed for you to be before man ever God's plan has always been in place. Those who we let influence us the wrong way, it ain't been at all. And they'll be gone to God this forever. Don't ever bow down. Give your praise, your allegiance, your glory to God. And let him have his praise. Let's try this. Father, I pray for today. Speak to us. Could you show us, Father, not, not what somebody else's opinion will be out there, what you would have to Father, you work with matters, not our opinions, not our thoughts. Your word. May you guide our thoughts and hear our thoughts and guide our opinions. Lord, I pray that we'll rely on truth and not on feelings. Rely on truth and not on others' opinions. Lord, I pray, Father, for those who are listening, pray for those who, Lord, that they may not know Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray that they come to There's only two ways to go. One is our way, which leads to 
hell and destruction and forevermore. In the other ways to come to Christ. Lay down our weapons of warfare. I know that I'm lost. I know that I've sinned against you. I know that I've sinned against God and I'm guilty before Almighty God. And I want to, I want to come to you and turn it over to you and say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I need to be saved. My way is wrong. My way is wicked. I need heaven salvation. Wash me in your blood. Wash me clean. He'll do that today. He'll wash you clean. Father, I pray for the one who's been. Maybe the one who's backslidden, the one who's gotten cold and indifferent in their heart. Maybe they don't realize how cold and indifferent they become. Holy Spirit, you can show them that. You can reveal it. Lord, I pray that you'll show them that your way is the only way that matters. Father, help us walk after you. Teach us to walk after you. Lord, I pray that you make us stand with Joshua. Stand for you no matter what. Help us, Father. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for being our son. May we give you all the glory and praise. Help us, Lord, to represent you right, to make God first place in our life. Please help us now. Forgive us. Lord, I pray you deal with each one after you listen. Lord, no matter what their situation, Holy Spirit of God, draw them forth to yourself. Draw them to Christ. Draw them to show them. That they can be born again, they can they can be restored. Lord, they can they can be healed. Whatever it is that they can Lord, they can find Jesus. I pray, Father, now. Lord, I pray for the one who may be bound up in addiction to alcohol, Lord, and may be willing to life. Father, I pray you give them freedom. I pray for the one who may be in an adulterous relationship, Father, I pray that they turn to their sin. Lord, seek families good and not harm. Lord, I pray, Father, for the one who, Lord, who may be just running from you. I pray you stop the church. Realize you can follow them all the way. So many people with so many problems, Lord. Some with doubts, fears, what others who are afraid of the message we preach, but what others think. Help them to see that today. What others think don't nearly don't dare to back what you Lord help us for you first. Thank you for this. Ask your blessing. Jesus. 